Hello, this is Tom Stever with Soil Smart, a podcast from the Soil Health Partnership. In our podcasts, we're talking soil health, why it matters, the ag practices that foster it, and the farmers who live it. Today, we're talking to Dan Miller about his conservation farming and why a growing family makes it all the more important. Dan, tell me about what you do in your role as an agronomist. I guess as my role as an agronomist, I started my company, uh, Miller Matic Seed, about three years ago. I do custom drilling, cover crops, everything besides corn and soybeans. So when I go out and look at things, I go look at things on, I guess it'd be on a smaller level. You know, I go out alfalfa, cover crops, things like that. You know, I've been working with a lot of guys in different methods of seeding cover crops, application of cover crops, cover crop stands, population of cover crops has probably been one of our big areas that we've been working on here, I'd say, within the last two years is we're really trying to find a good threshold as to what populations are going to work for each individual person because everybody that uses cover crops, their reason for doing cover crops is completely different than the guy down the road, and it's for a different reason than the guy down the road. So, you know, there's not a single person that does it the same way as the next guy. That in itself has been challenging, but I like a challenge. It's been a lot of fun, and it's been kind of eye-opening, really. We're talking during the harvest season, Dan, and talking about these game day decisions for cover crop seeding. In other words, tips for seeding cover crops for the winter. What can you help growers with as far as advice on seeding cover crops this time of the year? Well, when we get in this time of the year for seeding cover crops, I mean, timeliness is probably a big issue. I consider cover crops as adding another planner to your operation, adding another combine, adding another grain cart, even adding another employee. I mean, they have to be managed in a manner that you're going to be able to they have to be managed just like any other facet of the farm. Managing a cover crop should be like managing a cash crop, in my opinion, to have good initial success and long-lasting success. Everybody thinks, oh, cover crops, just throw them out there, they just do work. No, you need to place them in certain areas for a reason to make sure that you're going to get the benefit that you're looking to get out of that. In the fall, I know a lot of guys are really well, I don't have time. Well, there's a lot of options out there. You know, a lot of people have been using drills forever. In southwest Iowa, where we're located at, we're having a little bit of a switch. Guys are actually going to 15-inch rows on cover crops with like a 12-row planter with interplants or an 8-row planter with interplants. You know, a lot of these drills are 8, 10 foot, not able to get through the residue out there to be a no-till situation. So guys are going to a planner, and that way you actually have a metering system out there and a monitor. A lot of these older drills, you know, they don't have the metering systems, pretty older technology. Uh, There's really not a lot of monitoring on them, so a lot of guys are going to these bigger planners to be able to get more done in a timely fashion after chasing the combine out of the field. I'm glad you mentioned timing there because I want to talk about that next. What about timing? Because here we are at harvest time, and a lot of farmers, this is about the time that they're going to put cover crops in. How critical is the timing on this? I I feel it's really important to plan that out, to be able to know that we got to get this done, we got to do this, we need to get it in a timely fashion to be able to get it established before winter, especially for these overwintering cover crops. 
when we do oats, anything with like a oats radish or anything like that, we know that that's going to be on our early time frame. If you have an idea about what you're wanting to do on cover crops, the best thing to do is ask somebody, you know, what's the best time frame to plant it? I honestly feel like a couple months in advance should be some sort of a game plan initially, but if you get into the fall months and you get like what we're having right now, just rain continuously and things like that, you know, you can tailor that accordingly and make that work as needed because ground conditions need to be in consideration. You're not going to go out there when it's muddy and try to do anything. You know, a little bit of flexibility if you have that option to be able to be a little flexible on things, changing it up. Hey, you know, maybe we were going to use the drill. Well, we're running short on time. Maybe we need to use use our 8-row or 12-row planter or, or, you know, another facet. You know, you need to be have an open opinion as to what you're going to do. Yes, I know a lot of guys are saying, nope, we're going to run this drill and that's how we're going to do it. But if you're running, we're running short on days and things like that, well, you need to have other options to be able to do that, whether it be spreading aerial over the top with like a pull-type spreader or a drill or a planter. I feel flexibility is a good way to be on cover crops because, we're getting in the fall, it's getting crunch time. Everybody's going crazy trying to get crops in and things like that. A little bit of flexibility goes a long way, but you know, if you really want to stick to your guns, you really need to be dedicated to, hey, I need to put a guy out there, get these cover crops in, and really grab the bull by the horns and stick to what you're going to do initially. Talk about the benefits of cover crops, specifically for those grazing livestock. What are those benefits? You know, a lot of the benefits that we are starting to see in Southwest Iowa for the livestock issue, we're starting to see like cleaner calving conditions. I know the first year when I started working with some of the local guys that were doing triticale rye, maybe some oats, things like that. Initially, you know, we're like, oh, we're going for cover for where they chopped and we're going for feed. You know, initially that was our main goal. Well, we started to notice, hey, we're calving on these areas where the cover crops are, where there's cleaner calving conditions come springtime. We're able to have some forage out there, but yet it's not completely muddy. So calves aren't being laid on the ground. They're not in the mud. They're not in the soggy stalks. They're on the fresh rye that's coming up. But there is benefits as well as like the feed quality. I had a guy here about three or four years ago. He did 40 acres of triticale, and he told me that between the month of March and April, in the next following year, he saved 33 bales on 75 head of grass hay on a two-month time span just because of the cover crop out there. The cows didn't come in and feed near as much. They were out there in that green grass that was coming up in the springtime. So that was a huge savings in his own eyes, and he felt that the cover crop paid for itself in that manner alone besides the cleaner calving conditions. And also he was able to uh, apply some manure in there later in the year on that area after he had got done. So there's a lot of benefits, especially in the forage aspect of things that we're finding here locally. Now, Dan, you also farm and your family has also just recently grown. Talk to me about the goals you have for your farm and how those goals might be molded by the thoughts of that next generation. You know, we're I'm trying to find other facets for my family to be able to create some stability within the farming operation, you know, if we know that we can utilize these cover crops to be able to increase yield or reduce possible chemical applications for to be able to cut back on some costs come springtime. You know, there's a lot of different options out there that we're 
able to do. I really feel that we can, you know, be able to utilize those for the future. And I really feel honestly like the cover crop deal, it's getting bigger as days go by, but I really feel that it's almost untapped for what we can really do in the future with it. I feel like I'm in my infancy with it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know everything, but we're working to try to figure out all the options that people could have. Cover crops may not be for every acre, but they can be used on every acre. If you're willing to take the time, energy, and invest some of your time into that, I feel that it could pay exponentially down the road for the next generation, in which that's what we're always trying to do. We're always trying to make the next generation make it better for them so in the long run they have a better opportunity come that time. I think the biggest thing is is just if guys are able to take a little time, I know there's some guys that are like, oh cover crop, oh man, I don't even wanna I don't even wanna listen to it. But if guys were to get just a little bit of education and just see that there are some benefits out there. I'm not saying you need to put every single acre in. But if you have some early crops and things like that, there are some benefits that guys could potentially use come the future. We need to try to conserve the ground as much as we possibly can for ourselves, for the next generation. And I feel that there's a lot of benefits initially. I just feel education for guys, just, you know, maybe hit up a workshop or maybe talk to that neighbor that is doing something. Just say, hey, what are you guys seeing? What's working? What's not working? Because every cover cropper that I've ever met, they will tell you what did not work. (laughs) I know for a fact I've done some stuff that, hey, that did not work. But it was a learning lesson. It's no different than farmers planting too early after a rain, things like that. Everything that we do is a learning lesson for that next time we go out into the field. So, you know, a little bit of education goes a long ways and just open-mindedness for what guys are doing. You know, there's a lot of guys that think that it's snake oil. There could very well be some people that think that, but I feel that there's a lot of opportunity out there to be had, especially for guys that are in a no-till, even a no-till, strip-till type of operation, I really feel that it could be beneficial. We often talk about a lot of the benefits of cover crops, and you've mentioned them here. Are there benefits that you know of that perhaps are less known to most of the people out there who might be considering cover crops? There's a lot of benefits out there. I think the initial benefits that you're going to get are going to be your fringe benefits the first couple of years. Last year, I had 40 acres of uh, a field that we had cover crop on it, and we had burned it down earlier in the year, and I know that we were able to actually plant about a day sooner on that. I planted that 40 acres a day sooner than any other place that I could be able to go to. The ground was firm, the conditions were right, and we were able to get in there just a day sooner. That itself, just to be able to get that done, And then the next day, everything else was ready to go. I mean, that to me, one day of being able to get into the field just a little bit sooner, that was a big benefit. And the erosion benefits, obviously, those are right off the bat. If you do have any problems with erosion, that's number one. You know, weed suppression is one that we're really working on with population trials and things like that with different types of cover crop, different species. And that's, I believe, a good benefit. Actually, I was out digging all before we've had all this long stretch of rain. I mean, I'm starting to see earthworms out there already starting to work around those roots. Good earthworm activity can really uh, help a soil profile, aerating the soil to be able to uh, get those caverns through there so you can get roots, you know, way deep into the soil profile come springtime. Even some compaction alleviation 
on some areas, that's a huge benefit. And that's an initial benefit. That's not years and years of cover cropping to increase microbial activity. I mean, that's within the first couple of years that, that we're seeing initially. That's just going to double itself every time. The more and more you're after it, hey, I'm starting to see this benefit. I'm starting to see the next benefit. As you go down the road, it's just going to increase on the things that you see. I've had one piece that's been continuous for four years, and I'm really starting to see a lot of benefits off of it already, off of four years. Just the stability of the ground with the rains and stuff that we've had, we don't have that issue. I feel like a lot of guys are talking about possible disease resistance through cover crops. The healthier the soil is, the possibility that it'll be more disease tolerant when we get funguses and things like that, well, maybe this cover crop is going to be able to suppress a lot of that. To have a healthier soil, to have a healthier plant, that's our end game at the end of the day. That's what we're after, you know. Those big yields on a healthy plant, that's number one for your cash crop. And I feel like we're just getting started on that, really. Thanks for joining us for Soil Smart. To find more podcasts and information from the Soil Health Partnership, go to soilhealthpartnership.org or subscribe through iTunes or Google Play.